On this episode of Breaking the Game, Austin and I will discuss our NBA player rankings. You don't want to miss out. Thank you for staying tuned, and we'll see you right after this break. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking the Game podcast. I am Stephen Gillespie, and joining me, as he always does, is my awesome co-host, Austin Carr. Austin, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, Stephen. How about you? I can't complain. Life is good, man. Uh, kids are down. Um, you know, talking NBA basketball with you today. I don't know how right, I can. Right. I don't know how I can. You know, tie a bow on a Sunday, as um, our buddy Couch Coach likes to say. Any better? than what we're doing today what do we got on the docket for today austin oh it's pretty exciting episode we're kicking off our uh um nba rank series of shows here we're gonna do kind of break it into group groupings a little bit we're doing our lower tiers today for this first edition of it and you know we're both i know we're both pretty excited about it we put a lot of work into this so should be a great show yeah absolutely and before we get going our exclusive off the ball network president chris lebron just came in to say sweet intro i did put that to get together today austin you had a busy day with family it so you let, intro, kinda, right. you let me kind of tinker around a little bit and uh i just want to shout out to our buddy uh jeff hunt our vice president one of at off the ball network uh just appreciate him continuing to inspire me pretty much every time i see him do something i'm like man i want to try my hand at that so mm-hmm. He's the reason that I sat down today and made that intro video. So shout out to our president, Jeff. Well, you did an awesome job on it. I loved it. You know, as soon as I watched it the first time, I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to try to change it at all. <laughs> it looks great to me. It's 10 times better than anything I could do. So you did an awesome yeah. job. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, it. It was a lot easier uh, than I anticipated it. So mm-hmm. it's not like I, I didn't do a lot of the, the graphic design or anything like that. But I, you know, did a little cut and paste and spent hey, some time on it. It's but. still pretty cool. I'll take the compliment, though. I sure as heck will. But, um, you know, it's a busy day in the world of sports right now. You know, we're coming off the the tail end of college football yesterday, mm-hmm. and there's a big game slated for this evening. So whoever's tuning in, really appreciate the time. Right. That must mean that you love basketball just as much as we do. And we got a fun episode today. Where, As we keep alluding to, we're going to be talking about our NBA rankings, where instead of just going down one through you know, 125 players, Mm -hmm. which I know, Austin, you you did kind of do that. What we're going to be focused on for this exercise Mm -hmm. is tier grouping. Austin, what are we looking for when we when we evaluated these tiers? What was kind of your thought process? Well, for me, a lot of it came down to, you know, just the role that I think a lot of these guys play. And um, I do kind of have my lowest group grouping tier named great role players so it's you know makes it kind of connotes that they're bench guys but to be honest almost every guy that we ended up evaluating is pretty much a starter or six man on their team you know if you think it if you think about it we did we each did around 125 i think you did a little bit more than that if you break that down that's about the four best players on every team if they were even so Mm -hmm. it's not we're not really getting too much into the bench bench guys but there are some and i just said great role players because i do think that a lot of times the fourth or fifth starters or you know sometimes the the third or fourth guy on a team can be a great role player and that's what the difference is between you know sometimes a championship team and just a, a really good team is guys that are willing to play their role 
Um, but for me, a big part of what I use to determine where I put everybody is, is just kind of advanced statistics. I went off of, you know, per game averages for a lot of stats. I went off of, you know, a lot of advanced stuff. And then there were some where I just thought about it in my head. Like, honestly, if watching these two guys play, are they, you know, do they belong in the same group? And so it was, it was fun. It was an interesting way to kind of do it. It kind of opened my eyes to some things. It was definitely one of the challenges was trying to, you know, put your fandom aside, mm. which, which I'm sure, you know, wasn't easy for you either. It was definitely something I struggled with a little bit. Um, but once I got going, it wasn't too bad. Um, so yeah, I kind of just did a lot of, a lot of my analysis based on the numbers. Yeah. And, you know, we're we're a pretty analytical group, I would like to say, Austin, you know, you and I, we we look at numbers, but a lot of what else went into this for me was uh, and and this went into it for you, too, was the eye test. Right. Like when we sat here before we even came up with names for the categories, we were like, all right, who are the who are the groups of players, you know, that kind of fit together, who basically gives you that same type of dynamic or the same boost to you know, overall team performance, like how much does this player impact winning for, you know, lack of a better term, right? In the right. most simplest form, how much does this player improve your team's chance of, of winning, making the playoffs, mm -hmm. winning a championship, right? So not all the players that we have, for instance, right? Like for you, you have fringe starters as the lowest, or I'm sorry, um, you have fringe Great. starters as your second lowest mm -hmm. tier, Right. But and you have eight tiers altogether. I have six. Right. And that's just how, you know, we didn't plan it that way. That's right. just how we perceive the game, how we perceive these players. Right. Mm -hmm. But you have fringe starters on here. Uh, not all of the players that you have under fringe starters actually start in right. the NBA. Right. And some of your role players have bigger roles than they probably should. Right. But mm -hmm. you think that the best fit for them in the NBA is where you have them in your tiers. Right, Austin? Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of it has to do with just, you know, like I said, player efficiency rating was a big one that went into it for me as well as mm -hmm. wins above replacement. Those were kind of the two factors where I looked at a guy and it's like, well, his numbers overall aren't anywhere near what this guy's numbers are. But then if you look at, you know, how much each, each player actually impacted his, their team's performance and, and really how many wins they added to their team. And if those were closer than say a lot of the, you know, traditional stats, I think that mm -hmm. kind of helped me, you know, move guys around in terms of grouping where it might surprise some people, some of the, some of the decisions I made, but a lot of them, that was the, you know, the thinking behind those. So if it seems like I have some guys that don't belong together in, in certain groups or they're, you know, maybe the name of the group doesn't exactly quite fit how you view that player, you know, there is a reason behind all of it. So. Yeah. And same, same with me. And the fun thing about this is, is that, we didn't agree on everything, obviously, right? Just like most people who are going to be watching or listening now or later, they're not going to agree. They're going to have their arguments. But what I would encourage them to do, one, is to understand that they're probably wrong. <laughs> you know, just right. kidding. But um, honestly, though, um, hit us up on Twitter. Um, Austin, you can follow him at AustinCar10. Mm -hmm. You can follow me at StevenBTG. And let us know what you think. Hit us up with the hashtag BTG NBA rank, which obviously stands for breaking the game, right? So it's going to be a fun little win uh, way that you can interact with us. But um, this graphic that we have display on the screen, you you folks listening right now can't see it, obviously. But the two tiers that Austin's going to be bringing up and we're going to be kind of dissecting who he has under here. The lowest one is great role players. Austin, who do you have on this kind of starting five that you have on this graphic here? Well, it was, it was kind of interesting that you pointed that out to me when I was making these the other night. I just kind of 
did it that way and it worked out. So I, I ran <laughs> with it, but, uh, the guys I have on the, on the actual, um, image here are Terrence Ross of the Orlando magic, Tyler hero, the Miami heat, Seth Curry of the Dallas Mavericks, Michael Porter jr. Of the Denver nuggets and JJ Redick of the new Orleans Pelicans. Mm. So that's the guys I have on the actual, uh, image. The uh, group itself has quite a few more players. Great role players. I actually have uh, 33 listed mm -hmm. on my list. So you can jump right into them if you want me to, or you can give me your thoughts before we get well, started, whatever you want to do. Well, I just want to cover these graphics real quick. You have, the, for the for the people who are listening that can't watch right, right now, Austin, we'll kind of let them know kind of what we're looking at right now. Your right. next tier that you have, your seventh tier, working your way up, are the fringe starters. Who do you have on your graphic here? Uh, for the fringe starters, I have uh, LaMarcus Aldridge of the Spurs, Victor Oladipo of the Pacers, Karis LeVert of the Nets, TJ Warren of the Pacers, and Goran Dragic of the Miami Heat. A little thank bit you of for, a, uh, yeah. Thank you for pointing that out for me. I didn't think to do both at once. Oh, no, that's that's perfectly fine because we're going to roll from this graphic into ours and then get the, get the fun discussion out of the way. But I just wanted to point out that you have a little bit of your homer showing right now with two Pacers on your on your starting oh, lineup for your for, trust for your me it was hard not to put them all in the same i almost put all five <laughs> of the starting five in the same group it's about oh, there you go and i realized man i'm kind of just bunching these pacers up yeah and i'm not obviously not going to cover all the players that i have here on this no? graphic no i mean unless because we're gonna i'm basically gonna read the same list of names here in a I minute know, anyway season, yeah. <laughs> but you know i have this little graphic that i designed and just just for people listening mm -hmm. right now who can't see i got folks like uh the, my glue guy of the year, you know, Marcus Smart's on here. My sixth man of the year, Montrez Harrell is on here. Uh, you know, my one of my candidates for most improved players next season, you know, OG Ananubi's on here. Maxi Kleba, I'm a big fan of him. Uh, you know, I got Goran Dragic and, uh, you know, Tyler Hero, some names already mentioned that that you had there, Austin. But um, mm -hmm. we'll we'll go ahead and roll right into it. We're going to anybody that's, that can't, that's not actually watching that can't see it, he's got – every single player in his group on there it's a tiny little image like he said it's pretty awesome he did a good job on it well i don't appreciate let him, don't it. let him undersell himself i put way too much time in there probably but you know i do it for i do it for our fans and i do it for you man i bring my a game whenever we hit um, the show so i appreciate it i try to keep up with you right on well here we're gonna go ahead and make this graphic bigger for the folks watching right oh. now we're just gonna burn through this list of names we're not gonna talk about everybody extensively here on the mm -hmm. show because we just don't have the time right now so i'm gonna go ahead and blow this image up real quick cool austin on your lowest tier your great role players do you want right. to read the names or do you want yeah to i'll just go ahead and read through the list okay i've got sergi baca davis bertans kendrick nunn marcus morris will barton brandon clark michael porter jr Duncan Robinson, J.J. Redick, Hassan Whiteside, Aaron Gordon, Paul Millsap, Lowry Markkinen, Joe Harris, Marquise Chris, Harrison Barnes, Terrence Ross, Elfried Payton, Seth Curry, Larry Nance Jr., Tyler Hero, Lonzo Ball, Wendell Carter Jr., Mitchell Robinson, P.J. Washington, Monty Morris, DeJounte Murray, Kyle Kuzma, Derek Jones Jr., Jordan Clarkson, George Hill, Rudy Gay and Josh Richardson. That's an interesting group of names. I'm going to, you know, be a little bit redundant here in a second when I give my tiers mm -hmm. before we let you, uh, or after you reveal your second tier here, because the way that we're doing this and, and it'll make sense, the more that we do this, obviously, as we reveal more tiers, we want to have kind of roughly the same amount of players here. Mm -hmm. uh, Austin's got about 63 players um, that kind of combined from his two lowest tiers. My lowest tier only consists of 48. So, um, 
nothing real clean cut, but when we start talking about, you know, how these players impact winning, like we kind of alluded to earlier, it'll start making more sense. and It'll start flowing a little bit. We just got to do a little bit of this dirty work up front. Right. Right. Get get this all out of the way so we can get into the actual discussion. (laughs) Yep. And who's your tier seven here? My tier seven is called fringe starters. And you'll, you'll notice pretty quick off the bat that not all these guys actually are starters, but we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. We got uh, Goran Dragic, Devante Graham, Gordon Hayward, LaMarcus Aldridge, Dennis Schroeder, Eric Bledsoe, TJ Warren, Victor Oladipo, Evan Fournier, Fournier, Kelly Oubre Jr., Marvin Bagley, Clint Capella, DeAndre Ayton, Karis LeVert, Lou Williams, Miles Turner, Terry Rozier, Robert Covington, Alec Burks, Ricky Rubio, Mike Conley Jr., Stephen Adams, Jared Allen, Brooke Lopez, OG Ananobi, Dylan Brooks, Tim Hardaway Jr., Al Horford, Norman Powell, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yes, that's the Sacramento Bogdanovich. Yes, right? it is. It is. There you go. It helped me out with that one earlier today. <laughs> that was funny. I just the way that that message you sent me earlier mm-hmm. said, you know, make sure that the graphic says the Sacramento Bogdanovich. I love right. it. That was great. So, when you were putting this list together, were you surprised that maybe some of the names that made the list, or maybe some of the names that didn't? already at the low end of the at your tiers here i was actually there was a few guys in 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 these two tiers really honestly more so in tier seven there were a couple guys in that list that before i really looked into the advanced stats probably wouldn't even have made my list just off the top of my head if i was just thinking about it mm-hmm. so it was interesting you know hassan whiteside in tier eight and the great role players was one that i think is probably gonna you know kind of differ from your possibly differ from your list he's one that it was. I was surprised to see how much of a positive impact he actually made this past year. Mm-hmm. So I think he he kind of brought himself back onto onto this top you know top hundred and whatever list of mine, ba- based off of where he was a few years before that. I probably wouldn't have put him on there, but last year he did. You know, by the numbers, have a pretty good year. And then uh, the fringe starters group, tier seven, a couple of them that I was pretty surprised with when I actually looked up their numbers were Alec Burks was one of them. Yeah. He was one that I really wouldn't even have, have thought of to even add, add to my list at all, probably, just off the top of my head. But when I looked into it, you know, his his defensive stats, kind of the advanced metrics on his defensive, you know, value to the, to his team, I think is kind of what pushed him into that group for me. Mm. And just he compared favorably with a lot of the other names that I have in this group. So that's why he made it into Tier 7 instead of Tier 8. Okay, excellent. Um, and again, just you have 63 players that you're going to be discussing. Mm-hmm. I have 48. So we're going to see some names, you know, not on my list that were on yours. And there's going to be names on my list that that you had, right? So right. it's going to allow us to kind of disagree playfully mm-hmm. here a little bit. But I'll go ahead and reveal my lowest tier, um, tier six, which I refer to as the steady starter group. This consists of Goran Dragic, Lou Williams, Clint Capella, uh, Marcus Smart, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Connolly Jr., Al Horford, OG Ananobi, Maxi Kleba, Michael Porter Jr., Christian Wood, Robert Covington, PJ Tucker, Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, Brandon Clark, Tyler Hero, Brooke Lopez, Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball, RJ Barrett, Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, Josh Richardson, Kelly Obrey Jr., Carmelo Anthony, Buddy Hilde, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Serge Ibaka, Mark Gasol, Davis Bertans, Andre Drummond, Will Barton, Jeremy Grant, Blake Griffin, J.J. Redick, Mitchell Robinson, Jonathan Isaacs, Marvin Bagley III, Bojan Bogdanovich from Utah, 
Montrez Harrell, Jonas Valanciunas, Daniel Tice, Joe Harris, and then finishing it up with Seth Curry. Do you, are there any names that are excluded or on there that you're kind of surprised about? Um, not one that I'm really was surprised about, but one that I I noticed off the bat that I don't have is Marcus Hall. And for anybody listening or watching, the main reason I don't have him on my list is because I'm I last I heard he was going overseas to play in Spain. So mm-hmm. if he you know comes back and confirms that he's going to play this year again in the NBA, you know I might rethink adding him on at a later time when we re- revisit this whenever we do. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm, I don't really have any gripes about anybody on your list. There's a few probably that I would maybe consider moving up a little bit higher that I think I have higher in my rankings than you Who do. Those um, Buddy Heald is one I think I might have had higher than you. He might. Mm-hmm. I think he's one for sure that I had higher. Um, one that I didn't have on my list at all that didn't even make he didn't make my list is Jeremy Grant. And I think that that probably would surprise some people. But again, it was just, you know, I had to cut my list off somewhere and he was probably right down towards the, you know, the next group of guys that would make it in. Um, other guys that I definitely had higher than you, I think uh, Christian Wood is one that I had uh, the next group up from you that we'll talk about on our, on our next show or whenever we get to the next groupings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, you know, we have a lot of overlap, which I expected. And you do have a few guys that I left off, and I think a few guys that I, you know, valued a little bit higher than you, or you valued higher than me. But overall, I mean, it's a it's a solid group. There's nothing I have like a big, huge gripe about, really. Yeah, I have um one one name that kind of confused me a little bit on mm-hmm. your end is uh, Hassan Whiteside, right? And now I know that his statistics look some type of way, but when you actually watch Hassan Whiteside play, does how does how does the game film compare to the statistics that you see from him? I mean, obviously he has to do something to have numbers recorded, right? Because that's mm-hmm. all stats are is you know actually logging what's happening during the game. But what do you think about his effort? Do you think it's consistent with the the statistics? I think this past season, for the most part, that it was. You know, obviously he's he's not going to be worth the kind of contract that he did get at once upon a time with the Miami heat. And I think that was a big, a big part of the the knock on him was that he just, he wasn't worth a huge amount of money that he was getting paid mm-hmm. because, you know, he kind of got that contract right towards the end of the, you know, era of big, slow centers like that. Not, not big, slow centers, but guys that are, you know, more going to plant themselves in the post and, play played the game that way you know that's just not really the way it's played anymore but you know last season this past season with portland you know he averaged three blocks per game which was tops in the nba um you know 15 points and 13 and a half rebounds that's you know crazy numbers he's a double double machine mm-hmm. his player efficiency rating is actually 25 which is significantly certainly higher. above average yeah yeah so it's significantly higher than a lot of guys that i actually you know put on the list not a lot of guys, but several players I have ahead of him, actually his, their player efficiency rating isn't near that high. Um, and I know that stats not perfect and it's not everything, right. but it is something that I used to kind of, you know, rank where I felt players belonged. And he was definitely one I was surprised about when I looked into, you know, his, his, uh, wind shares this year were eight and a half, which is, is high, yeah. you know, his offensive wind shares 5.6 and three, three on the defensive end, you know, he affects the game on both sides of the court, I think a lot. And that's just kind of, you know, when I really dived into the numbers, he was one that I was surprised about when I first looked at it, but he did have a great year last year. And that's why I thought he belonged in my group. 
Okay. Uh, one name that you have lower than where I have, and considering that you have more players listed here, it's a little bit surprising to me. Maybe, maybe he, you know, he's only, he's in the next tier up for me. Right. And again, like I didn't actually like numerically value each player kind of like how you right. did uh, for people who haven't had access, obviously to Austin's notes, he actually has them listed numerically and broken up in the tiers. Whereas mm-hmm. I just broke them down in the tiers, but to me, it seems like you're kind of undervaluing Gordon Hayward a little bit. Now, you know, look at the numbers. Obviously, he's only going to be able to do so much, right? Because he's playing alongside, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kimball Walker, all of those names we're going to be talking about, you know, in future episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how much did playing time, you know, come into consideration for you when you thought about Gordon Hayward as kind of a fringe starter? Because that's exactly what he was in Boston. But do you think that that's his ideal role in the NBA? Um, honestly, I do think on a different team that he would have a bigger role. And I think a bigger role would probably suit him. Uh, to be honest, he is a fairly efficient player with the, you know, the role that he has now, Mm -hmm. um, his player efficiency rating was about 18, which is a little bit above average. Um, but you know, like that's, that's kind of where, you know, that's kind of where I grouped him for that was there. You know, he is a solid rebounder. He's pretty good on terms of assists, you know, about four yeah. assists per game, seven rebounds. He's one that I kind of struggled with where to place. I think injuries kind of, uh, you know, the idea that he's not healthy all the time kind of creeped into my mind too, when placing sure. him, you know, at his full potential in the right system, in the right, you know, situation with a full healthy season, I could see him vaulting up this list. If we do it again next year, for sure. You know, if he, if he does get a trade or gets, you know, decides to opt out of his contract or whatever he decides to do there. I think ultimately, you know, Boston's not the best location for him right now, at least the way they're constructed. Right. Um, so too many did, mouths it, feed, yeah, right. It did play a part for sure, but, uh, it was more so just, I think health than possibly, you know, really playing time or role because mm-hmm. I think, you know, in my mind, at least in a bigger role, I think he would do even more. So it was just kind of a, you know, show me you can do it and stay healthy for a full year. And then we'll t- come back and revisit it kind of thing. Okay. And then another name that kind of similar, similar thing for me, uh, TJ Warren, you know, he had a big showing in Orlando during the bubble, um, you know, put up a lot of big games and until he faced Jimmy Butler, which, you know, I, you know, Mo Murphy, who's another vice president here on the network. Uh, he and I kind of co-signed on TJ Warren getting clamped down by Jimmy buckets. But um, other than that, T.J. Warren looked like he, his role stepped up a lot. There's speculation, obviously, that Miles Turner may be moving on in a trade, maybe for even Gordon Hayward, who we just talked about. Uh, for T.J. Warren, you have him under your fringe starter category. What kind of held him back from you putting him up you know, more, more high than I had him? Um, well, honestly, I think I tried really hard not to be a prisoner of the moment and not to have you know recency bias when looking at how I ranked him for the whole year. And yeah, he had a great second half of the season. He had a great year all around for, for most of the season, yeah. but his numbers uh, compare pretty similarly to Gordon Hayward's. He's not quite the rebounder, not quite the you know playmaker, but he scored a little bit more, but um, the player efficiency and the win shares were pretty even. Um, I do think he kind of had a little bit of a breakout year this year. And if some things go right for him and he ends up as the, you know, the undisputed, I guess, number one guy there in terms of the offense for the Pacers or whatever happens with that. If they, you know, continue to use him in that role that they did in the bubble, mm-hmm. then he could he could move up this list too. But just looking at the overall body of work from the whole season and and 
where everything, how everything happened throughout the whole year and not just since the restart is kind of what kept him down in that, in the tier that I have him in tier seven. Okay. Uh, going down to tier eight, uh, a guy that I love, I just could not include him in my bottom tier, right? And this, this, and this is a great exercise. And for anybody watching or listening, uh, you know, I would kind of encourage you if you're a big fan of the NBA, like try to sit down and do this, right? Because, you know, you'll have to remove your bias or you don't have to, but I would encourage you to remove your right. bias. It's, it makes it much more you know, interesting to see if you actually are willing to do that. Right. Yeah. And if you can, you know, take off your fan shades and, you know, put on your, you know, just critical analysis sunglasses for, you know, just being real nerdy here. Um, mm-hmm. A guy that I love, Kendrick Nunn, I actually named him to one of my defensive teams midseason. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, you have more you have more players than me, so you're going to have more names than I do. But um, Kendrick Nunn, you put him under great role players. Uh, what about Kendrick Nunn? makes him you know in that category to be a great role player well i think you know actually i think he did start a number of games for that heat team throughout the year he on a on a championship contending level team or like where the heat are going to be possibly this season if not you know where they want to be next year i think ultimately his best spot for the with this team is is coming out off the bench as their six man and you know just typical six man to me is you know a, a guard Similar to Kendrick Nunn, you know, just the way he scores a lot off the bench, he's kind of instant offense, um, you know, 16 points a game or 15.5. Um, you know, his assist numbers weren't great, only three assists per game, but, you know, he was a, a a rookie guard, which, you know, rookie guards tend to struggle in the NBA. He's a little bit of an older rookie, so I think the ceiling is kind of, you know, lower on him. You kind of know what you're going to get. Right. I'd like to see the player efficiency rating go up some. It was only 13, just below average. Um, but you know, he played a pretty meaningful role for a pretty good team in the heat for most of the season. He kind of lost that role when the season restarted partially due to, to health and partially just, you know, he had, he struggled in the bubble after the restart. Um, but he kind of found it again towards the end of the end of the finals. And, um, I just, he's somebody that I'm a little bit high on this. He might've been a little bit more projection than, uh, current, you know, real statistics, mm-hmm. but he was a pretty decent three point shooter. Um, you know, not a, a amazing shooter from, you know, the rest of the field, just pretty average overall there. But, you know, I just saw the 15 points per game. He, he kind of, you know, ran the offense when he was out there. I could yeah. see him pretty much growing into, you know, one of the better six men in the NBA. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I'm a fan of him and I misspoke earlier. I said, I named him to the defensive team. I meant the rookie team, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, defense is not his strong suit, but like you said, he's kind of a, you know, spark plug off the bench, uh, can, can cook a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, now one player that you and I agreed on that maybe some are kind of projecting to be more high than where he is, is a mm-hmm. pretty polarizing guy, uh, Michael Porter jr. Mm-hmm. His name has kind of been circulating a lot, um, especially in trade rumors lately. Um, it's, it's great to me to see that we agree that, you know, the potential didn't overtake us in our analysis of this guy, right? Like right. we, we, we still don't have a whole lot of basketball that we can evaluate on the professional level mm-hmm. to, to know exactly where he's going to peg to be. Um, potentially, I think that he could jump, you know, maybe into two tiers for me down the line. Right. But oh, definitely. when you take potential out of it, how do you, how did you, you know, take that sobering look at Michael Porter Jr. and, and where you had him placed? 
Um, well, for me, it's just, it was kind of easy to be honest. He's a, he's a fairly incomplete player. You know, he's a, he's a dangerous scorer already. You know, obviously he's, his offensive game is pretty, pretty polished and pretty well-rounded. He, he has, you know, a decent shot. He's got size and athleticism. So, you know, everything you see there you like, but on the defensive end, he leaves a ton to be desired. And in my, in my mind, a lot of it's just, uh, want to and effort at this point. And, and, and a lot of it is just knowledge too. You know, these guys have to learn really how to defend at the NBA level because it is a lot different than pretty much any other back type of basketball you can imagine. Um, so, you know, a lot of it is just a learning curve, but I think he's got the ability to become a great defender or at least a, you know, a very solid defender, maybe not elite, but, a, you know, a good enough to not be a negative on that end. But this year, you know, as of right now, the way his game is, he's, he is a negative on the defensive end in my eyes. And so I think that kind of, you know, helped balance out the, the potential on the offensive end that you do see from this guy. And I did kind of, like you said, I tried really hard to not let, you know, the, the potential kind of blind me when I was looking at, right. at players like this and not try to really, you know, not really try to i can't think of the word prognosticate feelings yeah yeah prognosticate too much i didn't want to you know look too far into the future more of just kind of right now understandable yeah that makes a lot of sense i'm scanning through these lists right and Mm -hmm. it looks i mean we agree a lot on our show right Mm so we um, definitely do we we do and even in these differences like i can see where you have a guy on your list, like higher than me, like Monty Morris. He didn't make my cut into my, my lowest tier. I actually have a seventh tier that I just, you know, just kind of threw away. He is in that tier, right? That mm-hmm. that tier consists of 58 players. So if you thought my graphic had a lot of players on it earlier, right. if I did tier seven, it would have been insane. Like, I think, I think overall when this, before, you know, you cut it down some, I think you actually evaluated a few more players than I did total. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have a, a an established count yet. I think the mm-hmm. last time I actually took count, it was 148. But mm-hmm. I think I added and took away players. So I don't know exactly where that hard number is at, right? But right. Um, Monte Morris is another player that I really like. I think that he every NBA team needs a Monte Morris, right? Where he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's a great three-point shooter for one. He is also, if you just watch him play basketball, he's just a basketball player. You know, to me, he, you have him under great role players. To me, I would even consider him maybe even a French starter. Uh, and I know that that's kind of, you know, dissecting it probably a little too much. I'm sure he was kind of hard for you to place there. But um, when I considered the, my last category is steady starters, obviously when I'm thinking of steady starters, he doesn't make there. But when I look at your French starter mm-hmm. slash great role player, you know, I could see that he's right on the line for you. What is there to like so much about Monte Morris for an NBA team? Um, well, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Every team wants a Monte Morris, you know, on their bench or on their roster, in their rotation, whatever you want to call it. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't, he just doesn't make mistakes. He's a kind of a no negatives player all across the board. He doesn't really have any one you know skill or ability that super jumps out at you but he doesn't he's always available you know for the most part in his career he's been extremely healthy it's been a short career but he played all 82 games in 2018-19 played 73 games last year um so he's you know he's relatively available for the team his per 36 numbers you know just kind of going off of those because his his usage rate and his role isn't super huge right, right now i mean 22 minutes a game isn't anything to to laugh at but if he were getting you know those kind of 
starters minutes, you know, lead guard minutes. You're looking at about 14 and a half points per game, 5.6 assists, only three rebounds, but he, you know, that's, it's not terrible for his size for the size that he is. That's pretty good. 1.2 steals, only 1.2 turnovers. So, you know, his assist to turnover ratio is almost five to one. Right. So, you know, that's, that's really, really good. He's that's over a starting eight. quarterback for all you NFL fans out there, right? right. Like that's your that's your franchise quarterback. There you go. Good analogy. <laughs> you know, he shoots over eighty percent from the free throw line. He shoots, uh, you know, almost forty percent for his career from three. Thirty seven percent this year. Um, you know, the advanced numbers were pretty good on him. His value over you know a replacement level player, which you know zero is kind of the considered replacement level. He's only about a one, but you know. 75% of the guys in the NBA that are above zero or between like one and two and a half on that stat. So it's not super low or anything. It, you know, one doesn't sound like anything great, but it is pretty solid, you know, four, almost four win shares this year. And his usage rates about 17, 17 and a half percent. So that's, you know, pretty much in line for a backup point guard for a and second if, unit. That's pretty solid. Right. And if you can get those kind of numbers out of your, your backup, you know, guy running the offense for your second unit, I think any team in the NBA would, would love to have a guy like that. And he just, you know, like I said, he doesn't do anything, you know, incredibly well, but he does everything pretty well. He does everything good. He's just a safe player all around. And you consider too, that, that that Denver Nuggets team where you got so many ball handlers on that team, right, with mm-hmm. Jokic, with Murray, with Barton, with Michael Porter Jr. coming into the fold, you know, there's there's ball handlers all over that mm-hmm. team. And the fact that Monte Morris, who was undrafted, right, um, came into the NBA, I believe out of Iowa State, you know, if, if I'm wrong, let me know. I don't think I am, right? But I think he came out of Iowa right. State. I'm pretty sure he yeah. did. But, um. You know, come undrafted out of Iowa State, surrounded by ball handlers to come in and get still get seven, you know, a, a usage rate of 17 percent. Mm-hmm. And that that has increased over time. So he has gained the trust of Mike Malone, who is not the you know, he doesn't really coddle the younger players. Right. We were talking about that earlier with Michael Porter Jr. You know, Morris had to earn those minutes. Right. So. Right. To me, it just speaks to the type of player that he is. He's a, like we mentioned, you know, he's. He's your dream backup point guard who could come in and give you minutes as a starter if there's injury or if you need to rest. And he's going to take care of the basketball. He's going to make efficient plays. His defense leaves a little bit to be desired. But I mean, if you're your backup point guard, you know, like mm-hmm. he's very capable at that spot. Right. And he was the, you know, the 51st overall pick in his draft three years ago. So, you know, anytime you can get even like a, you know, a capable rotation player at that point in the draft is, is awesome. And to get somebody that's, you know, as important to that second unit as he is, that's definitely a plus for them. Yeah. And thank you for correcting me. I believe I said that he was undrafted. He almost was, but he was a late second close, close to the end of the draft. You were right though. He did go to uh, Iowa state. So, right. And this gives me an opportunity to go ahead and give myself a, what we like to call on our network, a cheap plug, right? You were talking about earlier how, you know, at 51, it's hard to grab a, a, a rotational player. I just wrote an article over the weekend where we discussed, you know, how confident you as an NBA fan should be at where your team is selecting this year based off of how they drafted at that exact same spot in previous years. There were only four teams that have never drafted where they're drafting this season, and your Indiana Pacers were excluded from the list because they do not have a first-round draft pick, right? So right. if you think, if you want, if you don't believe us, and if you do believe us, go reaffirm your belief or go affirm your belief in us by going to the offtheballnetwork.com, mm-hmm. checking out that article, and you will see how 
teams. It, it's, a, it's a good read for sure. You did a good job with it, man. I checked it out. I liked it a lot. I appreciate it. I, I called it mm-hmm. trivia night in a lot of segments just because some of these names you're like, mm-hmm. who in the world is read more? Right. Right. So <laughs> I know you and I both are two people that feel like we, you know, know the history of the game pretty well. And there was a ton of names on that in that article that I'd never even heard of. Yeah, I think the Utah Jazz was the only team that I read in that grouping of names that I was like, I know every I know every mm-hmm. player on this list. So um, it was a fun exercise to go back and, you know, kind of sharpen, sharpen, you know, the knowledge of the draft. Mm-hmm. Hey, there was a name on here that I noticed that you don't have at all that I kind of wanted to ask you about is uh, Terry Rozier. Yeah, I actually had him all the way up in fringe starters tier seven. Mm-hmm. I Looking at it now and going back and looking at his stats, I kind of feel like he belongs in tier eight for me i'm not 100 yeah. percent sure how he ended up in seven but he definitely belongs on my list and i i noticed i didn't see his name on yours at all well yeah and just for you know again the listeners and the viewers right now uh to to my defense you do have about what 15 more players mm-hmm. than me right so like right so name fell off now what's crazy about terry rosier is that if he was playing in boston in the role that he had on that team mm-hmm. he probably would have made this list but to me, a lot of things went to into factoring for Terry Rozier. One, he got out of Boston to get mm-hmm. to get a chance to become a starting point guard in Charlotte in that you know sign and trade that they got for Kimball Walker, right? Right. So a lot of the fact that he went into Charlotte, you know, job in hand, you know, it's almost like a quarterback competition, right? Like he went mm-hmm. into Charlotte job in hand, and then they actually had to slide him over to the starting two guard spot for Devontae Graham, who also did not make my list. Um, both of these guys made it in tier seven. Um, Graham made it basically for efficiency, right? I believe mm-hmm. you know he was my most improved player simply because in literally every category, he improved the most at every one of those, right? And Terry Rozier, mm-hmm. a lot of it was, um, you know, the lack of the lack of a role. I don't believe in you know a, a dual point guard backcourt, right? And mm-hmm. if you look at my at my tier uh, six, you know, header here, it's a steady starters. I don't mm-hmm. consider Terry Rozier to be a steady starter, right? He would have made your sure. great role players list, right? So mm-hmm. I think that that, you know, even fringe starter, I, I didn't have too much complaints about you even having him at fringe starter, right? But mm-hmm. when I'm considering steady starters, Terry Rozier doesn't strike me as that player, right? Because um, he mm-hmm. he lost basically his starting point guard position this season to an undrafted player. Who That's a good just, point, yeah. And, and you know, I didn't job. really think about the fact that you don't have really a category for role players or bench guys like I kind of do. So it does make sense that, you know, with, you know, steady starters, I I wouldn't really classify him as that either. So, you know, that makes sense. I just think, I think what I was looking at that maybe pushed him into the tier seven for me instead of tier eight is just Mm -hmm. the 18 points a game, you know, 4.4 rebounds four four assists. You know, those are, are pretty solid counting stats, not probably for, you know, a, a high level starting point guard in the NBA, but I don't think that's what his, his best role is either. I'm kind of with you on that. So he was, he was one that, you know, um, I was iffy about at first, but he ended up, you know, kind of convincing me when I looked into the total numbers of everything about him. So I was just kind of curious what you felt about him. Yeah. And like I said, uh, under fringe starter, I, I buy that for a dollar, you know what I mean? But like, mm-hmm. and, and you brought up the 18 points per game. Now, Austin, do you think that 18 points per game for a starting point guard is different on the, the the Charlotte Hornets as opposed to let's say the the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, right? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I think 
if you look at, I'm sure if I looked at his usage rate real quick right now, it's probably fairly high for the kind of numbers that he has. You know, it's almost 25%, right. which is, is, is high for, you know, kind of the, the numbers that he did put up, but it's, he's not really, you know, super inefficient or anything like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, his true shooting isn't incredible, but he's gotten better pretty much every year. And I kind of do still think maybe he's a little bit on the rise. We haven't quite seen his peak just yet. Sure. But still, you know, I didn't, I tried pretty hard not to put too much projection into this. So, you know, like I said, he's, he's probably right on the line between seven and eight for me, but he definitely, you know, belongs in one of the, in, on the list for me. I just, I'm kind of surprised looking back at it now that I had him in seven and not down to eight, but. Yeah, I mean, and that's fine. Now, one player that, you know, well, let's just say two seasons ago, this player probably would have went been significantly higher on the list. One, because mm-hmm. of the role that he had, and two, because, you know, you could just project the potential out, uh, you know, with the type of, you know, scheme that was kind of built around him and, you know, other young players. But that's Kyle mm-hmm. Kuzma. You have right. Kyle on your tier eight right mine's tier six steady starters we would both agree obviously that he is not in that category i mean if we're looking at categories you have him listed as a great role player which i do feel like is an appropriate assessment how much of how much of this i don't want to say it's i'm not even going to say it because it's just too um you know clickbaity of me Mm -hmm. to say right but playing alongside lebron james and anthony davis um, it's long been accounted that the third option um, for a LeBron James-led team has to make a lot of sacrifices. You could even argue that he fell out of even that third option role. That was kind of third option by committee, you know, almost like a great running back stable, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm trying to sprinkle in these football analogies for all these yeah, fans. You're doing a good job. I like the it. Game here in you know eight, you know know eight 18 minutes, we're going to watch the mm-hmm. Bucks and the Saints play, right? So There you go. So Kyle Kuzma, um, where he is right now on this list, one, how much of it is due to the fact of the system that he's in and the players that he's playing alongside? And, and two, like, how disappointing is it that he is so low? Um, well, honestly, it's definitely disappointing that he hasn't kind of, you know, lived up to the expectations that he set for himself, you know, definitely as a rookie and even even last year. Um, you know, his numbers were way down this year, but I, I do think kind of a change of scenery might be great for him. I think mm-hmm. it could vault him back up, you know, a little bit higher on this list. But he definitely belongs where you and I both put him, you know, towards the in our bottom tiers, um, just based on his performance this last year. And he is, he's the type of player that, you know, you don't really want to build an offensive set around. He kind of does, does a better job being that slasher kind of getting to play off the ball a little bit, kind of create his own kind of thing. Um, but I just think that's, ball. yeah, I, you know, there you go off the ball. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, accidental plug. There you go. There you go. Um, like- but, you know, I just feel like, he is in a kind of a bad situation there in LA playing behind LeBron and AD, you know, he's kind of the same, same size basically as those guys. He plays around the same position. Really. If you, if you want to be honest about it, I know LeBron was a point guard a lot this year, but right. You know, yeah. He's going to be a, says, yes. you know, a little bit bigger wing player. That's, you know, not really a, a post guy, but you know, definitely not a guard. He just, he, he kind of is, doesn't really fit with, with LeBron and, and AD, I don't think. And he's, I, I just don't know what it was about him this year. He didn't seem like he wanted to kind of take over as that six man role, which I think it was there for him to take. Sure. You know, he, he started some, but he also came off the bench, you know, pretty often as well. 
And I just, you know, I was disappointed in, in how he played this year, but I think that's definitely, you know, reflected in where I put him on the list. And potentially, could he go a lot higher on this list? I think so. I think Michael Porter Jr. and him are two of the guys on the, the on this list, just off the top of my head, that have good chance of really moving up if I things throw, go the right way for them. I would throw Brandon Clark and OG mm-hmm. Ananobi. Yeah, I was just from, thinking from OG your list. I have OG a little bit higher. Or no, mm-hmm. actually, I'm sorry, he's in this tier six as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we both have OG and Brandon Clark. And Tyler Hero is another guy too, right? So like, right. There's a couple of key like that's a good starting five if you're mm-hmm. building off of potential, and you could throw Mitchell Robinson in that mix too, right? Like, there's a lot of mm-hmm. intriguing young, young guys that you know whether it be opportunity, whether it be that they're rookies <laughs> in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot to be said about the youth that we have on these tiers. That it'll be fun. It'll be a fun exercise when we do this. You know, say three years from now and see where we have them, right? Right. I definitely agree. Kyle Kuzma, I think, is just kind of interesting because I think and you tell me if you agree or disagree, but I think if you and I did this list his rookie year and and then as well last year and then again this year, if this was like the third year we'd done it, I would say he'd be a lot higher, you know, on the previous two seasons than he has on this year's list. At least for me, he would have been, you know, he definitely lost himself some spots. Yeah, I think. I think that I probably would have projected him to be a steady starter because that's what he was mm-hmm. for LA. Like they weren't winning a lot with mm-hmm. him and Lonzo Ball and and Brandon Ingram as kind of their feature pieces, right? But they were kind of they kind of had a Showtime feel and and right. But it's, there was a d- d- there was a debate on when bringing in Anthony Davis, do you trade Kyle Kuzma or keep him? You know, mm-hmm. like he was the guy that you were kind of like, no, we can't afford to lose Kyle Kuzma because he's probably going to step up and be, you know, a a pretty solid contributor. Right. I was definitely in that boat as well. I was one of the people saying, you know, I definitely can't give up him and Brandon Ingram. You know, Kuzma was kind of the stopping point for what they could get in terms of, you know, players for that trade. Um, But I do also feel like, you know, once the pressure kind of really showed up in L.A., once LeBron came, you know, and it wasn't just, you know, a bunch of young rookie players, you know, showing what they've got and trying to grow together and nobody expected anything of. Mm-hmm. As soon as the expectations were there, it kind of seems like Kuzma hasn't been able to handle that in in terms of, you know, just overall production. So maybe there's something to be said there, too. But he is an NBA champion. So, he is. I mean, he, he, he is. does have that feather in his cap. Despite the petitions and what everybody else said and wanted. He, he was one that, honestly, I had to put my Laker fandom, you know, to the side. I had to, like consciously tell myself like hey he's not as bad as you think he is just because you know you <laughs> watched him all year right exactly yeah absolutely well is, are there any other names like i could see just on my list alone like i could see people bringing up a guy like a blake griffin saying that i have him a little bit too low as a steady starter uh, just kind of reasoning for their uh, injuries have taken mm-hmm. a serious toll on the blake griffin and we don't know what he's even going to look like next year like I, this could be kind of generous where I have him, you know, with the, the amount of injuries that he's had. Well, if, if it turns out that your ranking of, of him is generous, then people freak out when they see where I have him on the list. Cause <laughs> I kind of project him to come back fairly, fairly where he was. And if it's, if it's close to the season before he got hurt, then yeah. that was arguably the best Blake Griffin that we've seen. So, you know, even if he's, 80, 85% of that guy when he comes back, which I think is realistic and on a, you know, good, one of the better case scenarios, you know, I actually have him a couple of tiers ahead of this, of these two. So we'll kind of, that's one I'm kind of interested to see how it plays out. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are certain aspects of Blake's game that I think will age despite athleticism. Like he grew as a playmaker in Mm -hmm. Detroit, which was awesome to see. He grew as an outside shooter in Detroit, which was awesome to see. And, you know, him and D Rose together, baby. Yeah, they both of those, you know, in 2008 and nine, right? Like they were like top top five in MVP, like Mm -hmm. in the the world was their oyster once upon a time. Think about how athletic those two guys were at the beginning of their careers and like just where their careers have taken them. You know, it's crazy to think about. And how poetic is it that they're on the same team, mm-hmm. right? Now? You and know, both, you know, before at least before Griffin's injury, both playing a lot better than I think people really were expecting from him. Yeah. And for those who see this list or listening to us talk about Derrick Rose, today is not going to be the last day that you hear his name, at least. For myself, and it looks like for, for you as well, Austin. Yeah, we've got uh, several more of these to go through, so I think it'll be you know even kind of more fun to see our next you know the next tiers up where we have guys ranked and the differences and similarities that we have in the the tiers to come up for sure. I yeah, know once the, we get to the very very top, we're both we're we're pretty similar, but I think <laughs> you could probably expect that from just about anybody that does a ranking like this. Well, I mean he. I, I will say that. Right. But right. Um, yeah, so I, we, we just completed tier six for myself. We threw tier seven and eight together for you. Um, that's going to leave you with tier six. Uh, as far as player groupings go, are you going to kind of have another combined grouping uh, based on, based on our list? Are you going to reveal six and five together or um, just six? Like I'd group? probably do six and five together. I think that would get us caught up. Yep, you know, because I'd be on tier five same number, and and five and six are both significantly smaller than the two groups that we went over today for me. You yeah. know, I don't have the exact number right here, but they're the names for them are high end starters and capable starters for me. So, yeah, and my definitely not as big. My next tier is super starters, right? So like that's gonna go. be it'll be a fun discussion. You're gonna start seeing more. Um, if for the casual fan, you're gonna start seeing more sexy names. You're gonna start seeing. Um, yeah, and that's the kind of the goal of this, right? Like we want to start mm-hmm. with the the larger groupings, kind of the people who still need to be appreciated. Um, and and hopefully right. we kind of you know turned you on to maybe go look up some information on these players, or you know just even for the upcoming season, which is supposed to start December twenty second, according mm-hmm. to the latest news. Um, you know, keep an eye on some of these guys, and you know we certainly will, and we'll figure out how right we were, um, right. which probably we're probably spot on Austin if uh, you know if I, I, I would I would say we're we're you know 90 97th 98th percentile in terms of you know correctness for sure so, yeah so, absolutely at um, least well Austin we are going to transition now to the to the closing segment where we talk about the work that we got going on and just you know thanking everybody all that fun stuff cool. what do you have in the works for us I know that you just you know I think it's so cool that the both of us here on Breaking the Game podcast, mm-hmm. which is an NBA show, we both have extended our creative, you know, juices out into the realm of football. Right, right now, what what project do you have going on to to help out with our network's football? Program? Well, I'm I'm going to be doing, you know, every week I'm going to be doing a fantasy football article where I kind of just give you some, you know, good picks and tips of what who I think will have good weeks. You know, some guys that you can kind of stream off the waiver wire, things like that. You know, I'm not going to sit there every week and tell you, oh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are great plays because obviously, <laughs> you know, you're not going to you're not going to sit those guys down. I did find it interesting, though, and I wanted to, you know, kind of humble brag a little bit to my, you know, 
on myself. Do I, was it, looking at, I was looking at my current fantasy roster. And in terms of uh, ESPN leagues throughout all the, all the ESPN leagues that there are this year, only two players have been started in 100% of their available games. They're Kyler Murray and Alvin Kamara. And I have both of those guys on my roster. And there you that's go. That's probably why I'm doing pretty good. Um, so, How you know, it's, they be on the same team in real life. Like that right? Oh, man. That'd be <laughs> lethal for sure. Murray had a big another big game today, and Kamara's playing here in a little bit, so we'll get to see how he does. Murray's um, a but, future MVP. Right? So, you know, there's that. And then also we're – we're getting going on having a, a podcast and live show for fantasy football as well. Um, I'm actually going to be doing kind of a test episode with a possible co-host later this week. So that may or might, may not ever go live or be available to people. That may just be for the vault. But if it is, you know, sorry, everybody. But if not, maybe you'll get to see how that one went. But we're going to test out, you know, one episode together, see how we feel, see how we do. And hopefully if that goes well, we'll have a, you know, a more you know concrete start date for when we can you guys can expect to see that show every week but it's going to be a little bit fantasy a little bit uh um like DraftKings daily fantasy you know kind of your basic you know year-long fantasy league we're going to you know go over some dynasty stuff i'm going to talk a lot at least i think a lot compared to other fantasy shows about individual defensive players and kind of how to value those guys for a lot of people that don't you know normally play with idps but it is it is does make it a lot more fun it is add a you know another big huge wrinkle into it and then i'm also going to do a little bit of uh sports betting at least one of my picks every week that i think win you guys some money so uh that's really all i have going on for that i've probably talked a little bit too much about it so steven i'll let you get into what you've got going on no that's totally fine man uh it, it makes me happy to see you know all the work that you've got going on and uh it's just cool. Like I said, it's cool that the basketball, you know, obviously other people on the network like basketball just as much, if not more than we do. Right. But right. we basically solely only started out doing basketball. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to me that that both of us kind of came up with ideas. For shows that. our shows our creativity and our, you know, our ability to adapt. Yeah. We just got we got to be valuable all year long is really what it comes. Exactly. To. So, um but yeah, so talking about your football show, uh, we just did one called See You Sunday where we record every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock Eastern time, 8 o'clock for all you West Coasters out there, um, where we preview every game from that Sunday, so the following day from when we record, all the way up to that next Thursday. So we get you ready for those. We talked about you know key matchups that are happening this week. We, we revealed our games to watch. We revealed our picks. I successfully, you know, picked the uh, Buffalo Bills this week. So, you know, I'm going to break myself on the back. So uh, you deserve it. Yeah, but I'm not going to tell you about the other games that I picked, though. Well, but, um, if you guys want to go see me be wrong about just about every pick I made, go ahead and check out the show this week. <laughs> I think I made one or two good, good picks, but that I called the Bills my biggest pretender and they came right out and showed me how wrong I was be one of the biggest contenders in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a good game. Um, a lot of factors go into it with travel and whatnot, but you know, that's mm-hmm. why, I, that's why I picked the bills, but um, you know, go and, you know, just be ready for that. That'll be available on off the ball network, you know, um, Facebook. So go to facebook.com forward slash off the ball network. And those will be available there. Um, you know, I, like I just mentioned earlier, I just posted up an article um, just yesterday where I went through and let fans know how worried you should be 
on where your team is drafting this season based on how they drafted in previous years. So it was a lot of fun, did a lot of homework and research. Uh, go through there. It's a good history um, lesson for all of you NBA fans out it there. Is. So go and listen to that. So it was a it was a really interesting read, man. You definitely did a good job with it. You deserve a lot of credit for it. Uh, I will say though, if you're you know expecting your team to kind of draft the future face of your franchise where they're drafting, you you might want to think again. There was a lot of names that I had never even heard of. So it'd yeah. be interesting to see. There's only one player, um, Golden State Warrior fans, you know, rejoice as if you don't have enough to be happy about, right? But Rick Barry, who is one of the Mount Rushmore players for the Golden State Warriors, was selected with the second overall pick. Right. Um, and I guess, you know, Minnesota can be excited because the only other time they picked number one, they got Carl Anthony Towns, and he's he's pretty solid. So He's only one of, I think, four players, if I remember, four or five players that was drafted and is still on the team that pick where they're picking this season, right? So right. like Darius Garland is still around where he was selected, Roy Hachimura, um, you know, other players like that. Frank Nealon is still with the with the Knicks, right? Mm-hmm. So um it's a good article. I, I mean, obviously it I think I wrote it, right? But um go to go to offtheballnetwork.com, check it out. Go check out all the other great work that folks uh, are doing. Our vice president Jeff mm-hmm. Hunt just had a show today where he, you know, talked about his Buckeye remix, which is I'm not even a Buckeyes fan and I love that show because I just Jeff does a great job with the the visuals, with the with the graphics, with the video. Um I, I said earlier he inspired me to do the video today. Um he's just he's a very creative guy. He's a he's a great personality and just overall just a good guy in general. So go right and his, those rankings of his are looking a lot better week week in and week out if you ask me. Yeah, everybody just <laughs> his power rankings both professionally and on the collegiate level uh, are, are always great. Uh, I love seeing people say something sideways to him about a team, mm-hmm. and then that weekend <laughs> they're just wrong about it. It's, it's right. great stuff. Um, you know, what's it, the it point? You know, I've never game. understood. I've never understood the thinking behind a power ranking where you rank a team that absolutely has no chance to make the playoffs ahead of a team that could, even even if the you know the 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 record record. There you go. The records don't say so. You know, I like the way he does it a lot. Yeah, his his are very weighted and you know, uh, unbiased. Too. Feel free to jump in on the conversation behind all of those because I know they get get a, a lot of people kind of going back and forth about where he ranks certain teams. So it's definitely yeah, fun. The last time I looked at the numbers, he was up to like fourteen thousand people reached on mm-hmm. his latest. Just the there NFL one. I haven't even checked out the collegiate one as far as the numbers go. But um, it's a great hey, stuff. Hopefully, people get into you know kind of get into our NBA player rankings. You know, at least. Similar to that, I, I don't expect the numbers to be probably quite that high, but we can a guy can dream, yeah. you know. So definitely, if we left off one of your favorite players or somebody you think belongs in in either of our bottom tiers that we didn't mention, you know, like Stephen always says, get a hold of us on Twitter, you know, ask us about it and give us your thoughts. We always love to, you know, see what you guys think about what we say on here. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that that's a great uh, place to, to you know kind of put the show to a halt. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram right here on these links right here. BTG NBA Pod. Uh, hit us up on our Facebook page that we have. It's facebook.com forward slash BTG NBA Pod. Um, you can hit Austin up at Austin Car Ten on Twitter. You can hit me up at Stephen BTG on Twitter or at Stephen W Gillespie on Instagram. Hit us up. Go to the please go to the website. Go support the shows. Go support everybody. Our mm-hmm. podcasts are great. I listen to our podcast more than you know already established guys. Like I, I still do listen to those, but I listen mm-hmm. to ours more just because 
I, I, I just think that you get something different from where you get anything. You'll, else. you'll learn something from our, all of our guys shows and you'll, you know, have a good time learning it too. It's not just cut and dried fact after fact, after fact, you know, these guys that we work with have a lot of personality for sure. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, just thank you guys so much for all the love and support that you give us. Austin and I, we love doing this, you know, twice a week um, as much as we can. You know, we love writing. We sit down and put in a lot of effort into these shows. We're going to get get you guys out of here now so you can go watch the Bucks beat the Saints. Yes. I think that we both agreed on that, right? Go Bucks. I, I think so. Yeah, I think we both took the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go Pirates, go, right? Right. Go Bucks. All right, Austin, say something nice to the folks. Hey, you know, thanks for taking time out of your weekend to listen to us ramble about our, you know, where we rank NBA players. You know, like Steven and I always say, we love doing this for you guys. We love doing it just because it's fun for us. But, you know, if we didn't have anybody to to show it to or talk to with about it, you know, it would kind of be pointless. So you guys are what, what kind of drives us to keep doing this. So thank you very much for listening and supporting the show in whatever way you do. Right. And as we always say, go be kind to one another. You know, don't be a racist. Be nice to everybody. Um, I know that times are a little bit, um, you know, conflicting right now. Um, just rise above it. You know, it starts with you. Right. Go out and be the go out and be the change that you want to see in the world. No right? matter what, your neighbors are still your neighbors. That's right. All right. Well, guys, watch this fun video and we'll talk to you guys later. Much love, everybody. Have a good one.